Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for waking me up, blessing me, giving me the activities of my limbs. And yesterday I feel much better, but I'm still a little bit under the weather. For those of you that know me personally know that my household was hit by COVID. I did everything possible I could in order to isolate myself, stay away from folks, work from home, did all of that, and still call COVID. This don't make no sense. So um, I'm doing much better than most people have, even though I do have a compromised immune system. And I hate to say that my daughter was also infected as well as my grandson, and my daughter was vaccinated. So... You know, keep us, I don't want to say in prayer because we know how to pray for ourselves too because our prayers was working. Hey, Stephanie, how are you doing? But um, we're all doing much better. I just got off the phone with Ryder. Ryder was talking about he's going for a walk. He can't, part of it is keeping him inside, just like keeping his daddy inside, which is probably how we got COVID. So today's topic is one of those taboo topics. It's one of those subjects that many individuals really don't like to talk about because of the taboo, the stigma, the shame behind it, but it's also a learned behavior. And we have to end the silence when it comes to this topic because it's something that it can happen to anyone, no matter how rich you are, how poor you are. Somebody's calling me. Let me answer this. Hello. You know I'm in the middle of a show. How you doing? Hello, gorgeous. You know I'm on the air live. <laughs> if you can call Hello. it, you can call it on the show by calling the number on the show, and then you can talk to me and help me with this show that I'm talking about. As we're going to be talking about domestic violence awareness, so get off my cell phone and call five one six three eight seven one nine one four, and I log you on. Okay. <laughs> All right. So when we start talking about this topic. It can affect anyone. It could be individuals that are married, intimate partners, baby mama, baby daddy, teen dating, also married by blood or being related. Okay, I'm getting people contacting me, telling me they'll be calling me, coming on, because like I said, we all have a lot to share, and this is a topic that is of great concern, and especially with October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So a lot of different organizations are going to be a lot doing a lot of different things in order to get the word out. That's why this is very important. Now, when I put the show together and I posted the information on the Facebook, you guys know I'll be multitasking. This is just so crazy. As I put the information together, I was trying to get a lot of thoughts and ideas and people's perspective together, and I know even with my family members. Growing up in Compton and the things that I saw as a child, for years I did not know that it was domestic violence. Every Friday night they would party, drink, and then they would fight. You know, I didn't think of it as domestic violence until I became an adult, really, even as a teenager, and knowing and growing up and being around my son's father, and people used to tell me how he would fight girls and fight women. Well, I'm like, I ain't going to nothing about to put their hands on me. I was like the woman on Straight Outta Compton. But, Lord, when it, I think I went from being a victim to being a perpetrator because people can switch 
grows. So, like I said, that's why it is so important to address these issues, especially in the home, because respect starts in the home. The violence starts in the home. Sometimes the drugs and the alcohol use starts in the home. So we really need to be aware of some of the things and learn to utilize our resources because, like I said, as a kid growing up, I didn't know of no resources. Let me log on this caller. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments. How are you doing? I am well, Miss Jeanette. This is Lisa, and it's nice to hear you on the show today. You know what? I, I thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Let me log in the other caller, and I know you said your time is limited, but I want you to share some information about the importance of domestic violence. Um, caller just logged in on 3-7. How are you doing? Okay, I know you logged in. So, Dr. Lisa Romain, thank you. As you know, you and I have been on this this venture as far as domestic violence, awareness. We do a lot of things in the community, in Orange County, San Diego County. Now, what is your take on this in regards, when we start talking about domestic violence awareness, why do you think it is important that we continue to remind individuals of the seriousness as it relates to domestic violence? Jeanette, thank you for having me on the show today. And it has been such a pleasure to do such important work, not only in San Diego and Orange County, uh, but Riverside County as well. And part of the reason that it's important to be aware of domestic violence is because people are dying. Mm-hmm. People are going to jail. Homes are being broken up. Children are being displaced um, because parents or their primary caregivers are engaging in hurtful and harmful ways. Mm-hmm. And it's not only impacting them, it's impacting the people who share life with them. And so it's important to continue to bring awareness because there's a lot of myths out there. When Mm -hmm. people think about domestic violence, the first thing that they think about is, I haven't hit anybody. Well, congratulations, thank you for not doing that. However, domestic violence is such a bigger piece with regard to not just physical violence, which we know you could do the punch, the kick, you know, mm-hmm. the spit, the pushing, the grabbing, all of those things that people associate with domestic violence. But, you know, with the work that we have done and continue to do to not only educate people but provide intentional services, we know that domestic violence is emotional abuse, psychological abuse, and oftentimes people don't understand that, the words that come out of your mouth, verbal abuse, is just as painful as somebody holding up their fist and Mm -hmm. hitting and harming you. And, you know, with that type of abuse, as far as emotional and psychological, when you begin to tear down a person's sense of self-worth, they begin to question who they are. And it is very devastating to understand that domestic violence we've as a society only given credence to if you will just the physical piece you know if nobody was hit then everything is okay no we have to understand that not only with verbal the words coming out of your mouth are just as harmful and hurtful but 
how you're taking that information in and looking in your mirror in the mirror and identifying yourself by those words by someone who's supposed to care and love you. And when children are in the home, they are traumatized by that because they feel helpless and hopeless. You're creating an image for them that this is how adults are supposed to be and this is what they're supposed to act like. You know, the very arms that are supposed to hug and love them are the same arms that are mistreating them and abusing them. I mean, and that's just tipping, you know, the, the surface here. So when we're talking about domestic violence and answering your question with regard to why is it important to not only have this month as a month of awareness, but to continue to educate people on how to have healthy relationships, not perfect relationships, but healthy yeah, relationships, key. And oftentimes, let's just face it, we didn't have the most healthiest models coming up, right? You know, mama, yeah. daddy, grandpa, next door neighbor, they mm-hmm. got down how they got down, and oftentimes, it was in a way that wasn't the most healthiest. And so we've internalized those life schemas, if you will, and we've taken them on our own and brought them into relationships. And we're having kids and we're using some of the same things that have been passed down to us to deal with crisis, difficult Mm -hmm. situations. And we're looking at it as, well, it's okay. Everybody else went through it. This is how it's supposed to be. You'll see it in other realms of, you know, domestic violence when we talk about, you know, um, what it really is. It's an opportunity to really have, I call it the one-up on someone. It's about power and control. They say it's about power and control in a lot of cases. And, you know, Lisa, a lot of individuals don't realize that that's the blueprint for a lot of children. And when children are witnessing domestic violence in a home, a lot of times mental health issues follow, the anxiety, the depression, the PTSD. There's a lot of different things that goes along with that that people don't understand. And then you have the cycle. You've got the tension building, the battering, the honeymoon period. You know, because I know growing up in my home as a kid, I witnessed domestic violence. And watching it, I didn't know what the hell it was. And my mother used to say she didn't realize that my father was on drugs. Otherwise, she probably would have left. But Sometimes she would instigate stuff, too, because she went from that relationship to other toxic, unhealthy relationships. And now, as an adult, I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't dating nobody. I ain't like, no, no, I love me for me. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to call mm-hmm. Let me also right quick, because I do want to go in depth with some of this. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments. Caller just called on, number engine in 3-3. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Nancy, for calling in on this topic. You know, when we talk about domestic violence, it can affect and impact anyone from all walks of life. It does not discriminate. It don't matter your ethnicity. It don't matter your socioeconomic status, how much money you make, how educated you are. And sometimes, Dr. Romaine, it seems like the more educated you are or more successful you are, the more shame you carry and try to hide it. You know, we've done mm-hmm. shows about violence in the church because some people go to church and they don't realize that the pastor can be abusive. His first wife, the, the first lady can be abusive. You know, we're seeing these things. Children are being removed from the home now to where children that witness domestic violence, parents are now being charged with child endangerment. And they didn't realize, yeah. I don't think mama yeah. realized how she was putting 
us in danger, but she would tell us, you know, every man for himself, God for us all, save your own butt. But why would you even date a man that you know throwing bricks through our windows, shooting at the windows, stealing your cars? You know, why? What, how much sense does that make? Well, you bring up a lot of important factors in that, you know, love should not hurt. Sometimes mm-hmm. it does, right? And when you're thinking about, you know, why say someone who is doing hurtful and harmful things, um, oftentimes it's been my experience that that person is not doing harmful things 100% of the time. They may be doing it 10% of the time, and then the 90% they're in that, you know, honeymoon and calm Mm -hmm. stage, which is where people want to be. They want to be valued. They want to be loved. They want to be respected. And so the person that they care for or who they have in their life is not exhibiting those behaviors, you know, as much as they may be exhibiting those other what they would consider to be healthy behaviors. And so in your mind you're thinking that, okay, I can deal with this, or maybe if I change myself, um, the person mm-hmm. won't treat me this way. Or we find all of these different types of things to have it make sense for us. Um, it could be that, you know, hey, this is the best that I can get in this relationship. Wow. I don't know if anybody else is going to want me. You know, maybe I have um, an, an illness that this person has been able to walk through life with me, or maybe I have all of these children and you know, they accept me for that, or maybe the community will shun me if I don't stick with the person, you know. I mean, there's so many different things. Or, you know what, you you love the person, you expect them to change. I mean, there's a list of things that people can come up with as to why, to answer your question, why don't we just sort of discard the person. And, you know, part of the reason that we do the work that we do, um, Jeanette, is because we know that hurting people hurt other people. And hurting mm-hmm. people, they give you what they have, which is on the inside of them. It doesn't mean that they can't be different. It just means mm-hmm. that they don't know different, number one. Number two, they may not be interested in different, so you've got to look at it that way. And my question mm-hmm. always becomes, if this person chooses never to change, can you deal with them that way? If that's the case, you know what? That I is going to be your cross to bear. Long time ago. If that person never changed, what you go do? And because a lot of times we so busy pointing the finger at the other person, and it doesn't mean you have to point the finger back at you, but you also have to learn to forgive yourself. And with us yes. talking about this topic today, and we're going to be sharing some resources, some things that individuals can do, because you first have to identify if you are in a unhealthy, toxic relationship. And, and, and this is not only heterosexual relationships. You've got individuals, at least in an I've seen with same-sex relationships, they struggle yes. even more with the taboo of domestic violence and the silence because they being told nobody's going to believe you, ain't nobody going to help yes. you. Remember that training, that workshop we went to that time? And um, I, think, I think it was with, with you or with Tisha. And it was a domestic violence workshop that we attended, and they were talking about individuals that were um, in the LBGTQ community, how with domestic violence, how detrimental it is to them because – Resources are not as as available as it is for other individuals, even with mm-hmm. men. Now they say one mm-hmm. in what is it? One in four women and one in seven men can fall victim to domestic violence in their lifetime because it happens mm-hmm. to men, but men don't tell. 
Men don't tell. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got to call mm-hmm. it this long to see what this caller want to add to the show. Then I want Miss Nancy to share some information. Give me one second. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Licky Men's number ending in 86. How are you doing? And what would you like to add to the show? Hey, Jeanette. It's me, Gabriel. How are you doing? I'm doing well in yourself. What would you like to add to the show? Because, you know, let me say this, Gabriel, before you even start talking. When we talk about yes. domestic, it means the type of relationship. When we talk about the yes. abuse, it can be verbal, emotional, physical, yes. financial, sexual, spiritual, and that's just the name of you. But one of the things that we do is we say, oh, well, he didn't hit me, but you got the verbal abuse, you got the emotional abuse. And those two are the easiest to see and recognize, but the hardest to prove. And the ones that we kind of normally sweep under the table because somebody says, I'm sorry. So, Gabriel, what would you like to add to as talking about this topic? So, I haven't really been into, like, the physical abuse or anything like that, but definitely the toxicity of, uh, let's say, emotional and uh, verbal abuse, definitely. And I'm definitely in that situation trying to figure out. Uh, I know I remember we talked about acceptance because I still have to live with this uh, the woman that I'm with. And it's still happening, happening and all that type of stuff. It's just the fact of dealing with it to accept what is, going on with the manipulation, the gaslighting, and the hot and cold people play. And um, my question is just, like, just living with this situation. There's so much I, I could talk about right now, but I know I know it's, like, an hour long for this thing. I'm just, I just kind of want to just listen in and try to see what, what's going on. Maybe it can help me. Gabriel, hearing from a male's perspective, because sometimes people think that when men are the head of the house, and we as women have a certain expectation, and what our expectations are not being met, and some of this behavior we may have either learned from our parents, and like Dr. Romaine has said, hurt people hurt other people, and that's why we have to end and break this cycle of abuse. We have to start teaching our children how to communicate effectively with other people. We have to be mindful how we talk to our own siblings because we start talking about not only intimate partners but also family members. You know, when you're fighting with your your sister or fighting with your brother or parents fighting with their adult children, because when I thought about domestic violence today, I want to talk about even with me and my son because, boy, I'd be saying he's trying to die suicide by mom the way he be getting on my nerves. But I know if I react, that's domestic violence. I have to be mindful with my words that I use with him because it could be verbal abuse, emotional abuse. And a lot of times we think that when you're talking about relatives, that domestic violence don't exist. You've got people, cousins fighting each other, and they think it's normal. Brothers fighting each other. You could go to jail for that. Somebody can get hurt. But, again, I just want to say thank you for sharing because a lot of men – will not admit that they're being verbally abused by a woman or isolated or the jealousy. Dr. Romaine, what would you tell or what would you like to add to that, especially coming from a male hearing that he's being emotionally and verbally abused? Are you asking me? No, I'm asking Dr. Romaine. I know she's still with us. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, I I did not hear you. Thank you so much for clarifying. You know, one of the things, um, thank you so much, caller, for being um, vulnerable 
and and authentic in sharing um, your life experience with us. One of the things that makes it a little challenging for people who know that they are in an unhealthy relationship is to understand Mm -hmm. what it would be like to not have that. So oftentimes when you don't have a healthy support system on the outside, and when I say healthy support system, I'm talking about a support system that is there for you no matter what decision you make. They know that you're not going to jump ship, and they know that you're not going to um, share things with them that are going to be just as hurtful and harmful to them in the yeah, sense of like making put, them feel bad. Yeah, you're saying put myself in an environment with good – are you saying, like, basically put myself in a good environment where there's good people, good vibes and all that stuff to help me through that because – she doesn't even want to, like, deal with me. She even mentioned the fact of, like, hey, you need to go to somebody else for your emotional support. Like, I can't be providing this for you anymore. Like, I'm just, right. I'm done. And she just, angry person, all this type of stuff, just everything. Right. So one of the things, I'm just going to switch a word with you because there's good and bad people, but what I'm sharing is healthy people, healthy places and healthy yeah. things, not, not perfection. But when you have a healthy support system, someone who can give you credible resources, someone who is healthy and can be there for you to walk out of you, because one thing you need to understand is that you are only responsible for you, what you say and what you do. You cannot change another person. You cannot change how they feel. You cannot change what they say, and you cannot change what they do. And so you have to understand that the choices that you are making are ones where you're getting Um, direct consequence from you in the sense that you have a boundary that you should uphold, and if you're not strong enough, connect with a support system that can help you to um, be empowered to stay the line of, you know, uh, healthy boundaries. When you say you're going to do something that's healthy, not only say it but do it. Sometimes you have to model um, a behavior And if the person is open to that, they'll do it, and you'll see changes within that person and in the relationship. Um, You have to first really kind of take care of your own needs and understand that the other person may or may not change, right? And no matter what you do, you have to be responsible for what you choose to do because you're either going to end up being like that person, right? Mm Mm-hmm which you may not, yeah. you might not, you know, have a problem with that. Or you may end, which goes to the point of you losing who you are at the expense of the other person. Or you may always be walking on eggshells, you know, not being your authentic self, which is losing your sense of self. And I don't know that that's the way somebody would want to live life. However, Definitely. you no, have to know when, when something is unhealthy. Because if you can't be your authentic self and be respected and appreciated for who you naturally are and you exhibit that um, type of behavior to someone else, it's probably not the most healthiest relationship. Just because people love each other and care about each other doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy for them to be together. Sometimes people are bringing their childhood trauma and their Mm -hmm. other relationship issues into a relationship and the other person is having to pay, right? But the reality is that as an adult, you get to choose who you are connected to, how you respond to them. And like Ms. Jeanette said, if you decide to respond in time, 
you're being abusive as well. So no abuse is greater than the other. But what are you going to do to protect yourself? And what are you going to do to make sure you're in healthy spaces so that you can um, exhibit behaviors that are more like the relationship that you'd want to have? And oftentimes people aren't able to get out because there's nowhere to go, right? There you go. Some people don't know what it's like to be alone. Some people don't know what it's like to be with someone different than what you're accustomed to. It's very scary. Yeah. I understand that. But if you want something different, you have to intentionally you do something different. Otherwise, you're going to get more of the same. And you, you just have to remember, from domestic violence, you're not responsible for the abuser's behavior. They are well, responsible I like that. for it. And it takes, like that. And it takes You know what, Dr. Man? You know, I want to say this. Mm-hmm. I know it hurts and I know it's deep. But the one thing is, you can't make nobody love you. Oh, yeah. And if you allow that person to continue to hurt you. I remember my son's father was so cruel to women, he would torture them and then laugh at them. Wait, give me one second. Yeah. Hello? And so, AJ, yes. so you're totally right. And I listened to what you said with through our like, classes or our sessions that we have. And it's the, I'm not even pushing anymore, but it's still the fact of even when I try to accept everything, there's still going to be a problem no matter what with her. And I'm just doing me. I'm trying, I'm doing my best to do me, go out and have some fun with people, good people, you know, not necessarily just rebounding or anything. I haven't done that. It's just more of just being me, talking to people. If something happens, something happens, whatever. But it's the fact like I still get taken advantage of and stepped upon by her when I'm just being me, civil, I'm not even trying to force anything anymore. You know, you know that, that's the annoying part. Dr. Romaine said it when she said, hurt people hurt people. The nicer you are, sometimes people don't realize why you're being nice to them. And that's part of their trauma. You know, sometimes we start talking about baggage. Baggage is a little different from trauma. If you're in a relationship with someone yeah. and they may be financially off their job or, you know, some things that just you can work with. You know, you, that you can work with that. But if that person is dealing with trauma where they've been abused and they didn't get no help, they're going to abuse you too. It may not be yeah. intentional. It may not be on purpose. But it was like what I was saying before my phone room when Mr. Pat calling me, asked me a question. Because I posted a picture of my godbrother that showed up and he said my godbrother still sick. But the thing is, it may not be intentional, but unless they address their trauma and is willing to work on their issues, they're going to take it out on you. And the other person and everybody around them will pay for what somebody else has done to them. So part of it is knowing the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationship. Now, there is a reason, and I know you are married and you may not want to get divorced, but by that same token, Domestic violence and these unhealthy relationships will end up in death or jail. And if the cycle will continue to repeat itself. Lisa and I, we are both part, and we do the 52-week Batteries Intervention Program for both perpetrators of domestic violence as well as we work with victims of domestic violence. So we see both ends of the spectrum. You know, we're aware with teen dating. We know that... Sometimes individuals, the mental health part that plays a role in it, the walking on eggshells, the anxiety, the depression, the, the not knowing, the, the PTSD, 
you know, we see a lot of this. Yeah. And sometimes you just want to give the person a hug and say it's going to be okay. But in their world, that's a whole different world. That's a frightening world. And the sad yeah. part is resources are more available for women than there are for men. There's not a lot of places for men to go. Now, just recently, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Mr. Nett. The resources are scarce, which is why it's important to um, make certain that um, the resources that we do have that we consider all parties, um, maybe Mm -hmm. start support groups ourselves, and Mm -hmm. um, you know share the resources that we have. And I do uh, apologize. I do have to exit right now. And okay, well, um, I have a wonderful show. You shared. Thank I, you. I truly appreciate that. Thank you. Lisa, where are you located? Because, like I said, I know you also work with victims of domestic violence. But can you tell them where they can reach you if they do want to reach out to you for either counseling or support or something? Yes, my telephone number, and I do apologize for the background noise. I'm located in Marietta, which is in Riverside County as well as in San Clemente, which is in Orange County. I only do telehealth right now, and the contact number is area code 951-698-73. Once again, that is 951-698-4673. And thank you so much for having me on the show, Ms. Jeanette. I wish you well in all of uh, your calls today. Thank you. Okay. Now, I was saying earlier how when we watch the news and social media, we we hear a lot about domestic violence, people coming up missing, intimate partner relationships. You know, we were stuck on the Gabby's um, um, thing that happened with this young lady, and now the guy apparently his remains was found. You know, we see a lot of different shows that Siri has done. And um, this Netflix, I don't know if many of you have watched this Netflix show that they got out called Made. And that was interesting because that show brings a lot of awareness in regards to emotional and verbal abuse. How you're living with someone who has a history of substance use or abuse and how that can play a role in domestic violence. And one of the things that I know as being a program facilitator is when we do the intake of an individual that has been arrested for domestic violence, part of it is assessing any substance use and abuse because that does play a role in it. You know, you want to make sure and look into the mental health part of it, any type of trauma, because emotional abuse and verbal abuse is some of the things, like I said, we have minimized. I also want to speak a little bit about, I was looking at something, an article where it said a former police officer in South Carolina pled guilty to domestic violence. So it doesn't matter where you, your, like I said, what kind of job you have, a police officer, fireman, they can arrest for domestic violence too. And with COVID and individuals having to quarantine, domestic violence cases increased because individuals had to be at home more. People were losing their jobs. People were, you know, getting sick. You know, so there are some risk factors when we start talking about this. Now, what were you about to say, um, Gabriel? I'm here. I didn't hear you. I'm here. No, okay. You know what? We have another caller on the line. I thought it was Miss Nancy. Miss Nancy, are you still there? Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm still okay, here. Okay, what do you want to add to this show as we're talking about domestic violence awareness? Because 
like I said, I know you. I know how, you know, we just start talking about power and control. And I used to say with me, domestic violence wasn't always about power and control. It was just you getting on my nerve. Leave me the hell alone. But by that same token, it still doesn't give you the right to violate the rights of another. And a lot of times, and I've been in situations and relationships where I knew men that had been in abusive relationships, and I would notice their behavior. I'd be like, uh-uh, this is just not going to work for me. You know, you No. So what do you want to add to this show, um, Nancy, as we're talking about domestic violence? What? Me, well, I'll, there's a little bit of story I can tell you. Um, I had a traumatized um, childhood, and then I jumped in from the traumatized, abusive, um, physical abusive um, childhood into a marriage, and that was very toxic, and um, my mom wanted me to get out of it quickly, and I was just adamant about staying in it, and I stayed with him for 15 years, then I ended up jumping from the frying pan to the fire and ended up with a man that um, um, emotionally, mentally, physically, and um, sexually abused me. It wasn't on a daily basis or occurrence. but And then he went to the extent of running me over. And mm-hmm. um, I got out of that relationship and um, just really dealing with my inner trauma that I'm going, that I went through. And it's an encoring um, dilemma inside of me. There's post-traumatic stress disorder, anger issues that um, come up every once in a while and um, depression and anxiety and being alone at this moment in my life. I, I look, well, everybody's getting married around me. When am I going to get married? And it's not time for me to get married. It's not time for me to jump into another relationship until I'm more or less like 90% healed from everything that I went through. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what um, the issue, Nancy, is a lot of times <coughs> individuals are like, well, what about me? What about me? I remember when I married my last husband, we had known each other since we was 14 years old. And my mother, I don't know what our parents were thinking at the time. I know his mother thought that he was probably like, I wasn't good enough for him. And my mother was trying to be buddy-buddy with him. And, you know, we went through this thing when we were in, in middle school. But he's never been abusive towards me. He's never tried to put his hands on me or, or anything like that. But I'll never forget when my mother, before my mother passed, and he told my mother, Ms. Brooks, I'm going to marry your daughter. And my mother said, you know, y'all been known each other since you was 14 years old. And if y'all get married, great. I thought y'all would have got married a long time ago, even though we waited 33 years later to get married. My mother told me, Jeanette, if you ever cheat on that man, he will kill you. Do you know my dumb butt married the man anyway? I'm just like, but I can't remember her hearing her tell me that, and I should have known by what she went through. But the thing was, I think he was more afraid of me than I was of him because he thought I was crazy. And he was much bigger than me. And I, all the time I'd be like, what did my mama say this man would kill me? But she knew something that I didn't pay no attention to. 
So a lot of times we miss the red flags. So don't wait for the red flags if you're out there. It's a yellow flag. If you start seeing someone putting you down, trying to humiliate you in public, you know, making sexual jokes about you and things of that nature, that stuff is growing. But I do want to say, and I'm getting this information from Safe Horizon, and it says, and I mentioned earlier, one in four women and one in seven men will be victims of domestic violence or abuse in their lifetime. You've got to remember, you're not alone, you are not to blame, and you don't deserve to be abused. You have rights, and you can't get help. So if you or someone you know is currently in a domestic violence or toxic relationship, you can call the national hotline number at 1-800-621-HOPE. And again, one 800 621-4673. You do not have to be abused, or you don't have to be afraid. <clears throat> but I want to give you guys some signs of abuse, because sometimes people say, well, he didn't hit me, he didn't do this, but even lying. Lying to someone can be emotional abuse. So some of the signs of domestic violence are more obvious than others, and here are a few common signs. And it says, does your intimate partner ever accuse you of cheating or being disloyal? making you feel worthless, hurt you by hitting, choking, or kicking you, intimidate and threaten you, threaten to hurt you or someone you love, threaten to hurt themselves if they don't get what they want. And that one is huge because people be like, well, I'm going to kill myself. Die. You know? Do they try to control what you do and who you see? Do they isolate you from your friends and family? Do they pressure you or force you into unwanted sex? Do they control your access to money? And here's a big one. Do they stalk you, including calling you constantly or following you? Miss Nancy, you know I used to tell the story when I did the DV group how my son come back from a football game or whatever, and he'd be hiding behind a tree to my head. I mean, that hell is calling me behind a tree. Bird man and follow me, follow me all around town. It was, it was horrible. But stalking is another one. So if you start feeling like you're being uh-huh. stalked, the jealousy, the insecurity. So there are some things, and they got programs out there. They have hotlines. They have what's called a safe shop. They have domestic violence shelters. Now, with domestic violence shelters, a lot of times people say, well, I don't want to be in a shelter. I don't want to. There are people and places that are there and available to help individuals. There are community programs that are also available to help individuals. And then they have what's called Domestic Violence Law Project and Family Court Programs and Criminal Court Programs, Immigration Law Project, and Child Trauma Response Team. And if you are a victim of domestic violence, there are also other resources that you can also, that could be available for you. Now, Nancy, anything else you want to share with the listeners? From my own experience, I would tell my, if I had spoken with my daughter about what happened while she was growing up, what I would do different is just, no matter how hard it is, get the hell out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, go get help for yourself because you're going to essentially just um, 
abuse your own child because the child's going to look more like their dad. And you don't want that childhood trauma going into them. You know, um, my mom and my dad separated when I was like about anywhere between four and seven years old. And I looked a lot like my my dad. I acted just like my dad, and I used to get beat down by my mom because I looked like my dad. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, you know it, it wasn't easy, but I made it through it. Got you. But the thing is, it's we all have decisions we've got to make. It carries an emotional thing, too, Nancy. You know, when you said that it brought something up to my mind when you talk about what you would say to your daughter, because I have both a daughter and a son. And I remember being, um, when my son was 18, he was a victim of domestic violence. And I'll never forget my mother oh, said to me, Mom, do you ever listen to how that young lady talks to your son? I didn't. And, Lord, one day when I heard it, I was like, oh, Lord, they're going to make me catch the case. But I didn't know, and I had to try to find the right way to try to help him understand he was in a toxic relationship because he didn't know. He didn't realize it. And he continued to stay in abusive and toxic relationships to where sometimes he would either be the perpetrator or he would be the the, um, victim himself. It would go back and forth, back and forth. And I couldn't understand why would you date women that are, traumatized and abusive, I have mental health issues, that's not healthy. That's not healthy. So what I had to do was separate myself from that because I didn't want that kind of stuff around me. So when we start talking about these things now, it was a challenge for me to try to help my son, but with my daughter, my daughter was more aware of these things, so I didn't have to tell my daughter, well, you know, you might not want to talk to this little boy over here, or you know, you, you know, and then now with my grandchildren, I have to be mindful and I watch who they connect themselves with too, because I know my grandson, he can be ooh, real manipulative at times. He'll play the victim, then be the perpetrator, then like to see people in pain, and I'm just like, and we're trying to get him some help now so that he won't repeat the cycle, but yet he hasn't even been exposed to it. But his was more in vitro. So, you know, Nancy, that's a big thing, too, of what you were sharing about how your mother treated you. Sometimes when parents or when women are in toxic relationships, and they will take it out on their children because it's a reminder of the relationship that they were in. Because I notice I do that sometimes with my son. I look at him, he reminds me so much of his daddy. I'll be like, oh, Lord. You know? So, but people do have to talk about these things and be aware of it and so that people can address these issues. And um, can I say something, Jeanette? Yes, you may. So it's not necessarily like um, with, like we take it out on children, because I've been on the other side of the spectrum, right, as like domestic abuse with my family and just like alcoholism, all this type of stuff. But it's it's Mm -hmm. the fact that the child is, is seeing these situations, not necessarily we as a parent, I'm not a parent yet, but we as a parent, though, uh, want to abuse our kids. It's the fact that they see what uh, me and my husband or me and my wife, whatever, is doing. Kids are smart. You know, they're smart. Even if they're one, two, whatever, they see that and they grow. So I agree with that. 
and then they turn into they learn those experiences from growing up and apply that to their life. Either way, they're going to either learn from it or make the same mistakes. To a degree, and you're right, they can learn or make the same mistake. But this is the thing. I know men that have killed or shot their mother's husbands or boyfriends because as a young man, their mothers were being abused, and they tried to protect yes. them. I get caught up in the middle of it. I, as a female, was caught up in the middle of it because I, as a female, and my mother's oldest daughter, when she would bring these toxic men home, it also would affect me, too where I could have been one that could have been in jail for hurting somebody. Let me log on this next caller. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Pacific Predicaments Rock Talks Radio, number ending in 7-3. How are you doing? One in. I can't hear you. What would you I like to add you. to the show? What would you like to add? Okay, number ending in 7-3. I'm hearing an echo. I'm hearing an echo. Okay, so I don't know if they wanted to just listen or just to the show, but I know I'm hearing an echo. But, you know, um, a lot of times, and I'm not going to say that parents do it intentionally because I don't think their parents are really trying to hurt their children, but, you know, when we start talking about these things, and it's, you know, sense of awareness, Dr. Romaine was saying earlier, we shouldn't strive for perfection, but we do have to know the difference between a healthy and an unhealthy relationship. You know, because a lot of times... Yeah. When, when it comes down to raising your children, um, it, it is a generation. Um, your mom wasn't... For example, my mom wasn't loved and nurtured. My mm-hmm. grandma... Uh, I'm Native American. Mm-hmm. And I'm registered into a federal fe- federal recognized tribe. My grandma... She came from um, the Chief Seattle tribes, Taquamish. They took all the boys and girls out of their um, their reservation from their parents and put them in residential schools. Mm-hmm. Cut all the girls and boys' hair off, which which is um, a type of abuse. Mm-hmm. That goes mm-hmm. all the way back to to all the way back to the beginning when Adam and Eve. Abuse goes all the way back to when Adam and Eve was formed. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot. It, it does go back. But, you know, Nancy, I want to share this because I want to educate the individuals as it relates to emotional abuse. Because, like I said, that's one that many individuals minimize or they don't pay attention to. If they go, well, at least he didn't hit me or, or, or any of that, those things. But emotional abuse includes undermining a person's sense of self through constant criticism. Now, we talk about constant criticism, belittling one's ability, name-calling, mm-hmm. or other abuse, damaging a partner's relationship with the children, and not letting the partner see friends and families. You may be in an emotionally abusive relationship if your partner calls you names or insults you or constantly criticizes you, does not trust you, and acts in a jealous or possessive manner, tries to isolate you from family and friends, monitor where you go, whom you call and whom you're with or spend your time with, doesn't want you to work, control finances and refuses to share money, punishes you by withholding affection, expects you to ask for permission, 
threatens to hurt you, children and family, or your pets, humiliate you in any way. Now, that is interesting because, like I said, a lot of times, it was, oh, well, he didn't mean it. He was just joking. No. Now, with the psychological abuse involved causing fear and intimidation, threatening physical harm to self, partners, or children, destruction of pets or property, mind games, forcing, or forcing isolation of friends, family, school, and work. Now, when we start talking about these things, you know, a lot of times individuals don't think that it's, it's not that bad. And even with sexual abuse, you know, Nancy, you brought up the rape part. Well, sexual abuse involves forcing a partner to take part in a sex act when the partner does not consent. You may be in a sexually abusive relationship if your partner accuses you of cheating or is often jealous of your outside relationship, wants you to dress in a sexual way, insults you in sexual ways or calls you sexual names, has ever forced or manipulated you into having sex or performing sexual acts, that's another thing, holds you down during sex, demands sex when you are sick, tired, or after beating you, hurts you with weapons or objects during sex, involves other people in sexual activity, or ignores your feelings regarding sex. Now, those are just some of the things that we are talking about, and some people think that they can live through that pain, live through that trauma. But like I said, you can utilize your EAP. You can seek services. But I do want the, the listeners to know that if you are in a domestic violent relationship, couples counseling can be difficult because somebody can get hurt. So what I do, I have each individual go seek their own individual counseling. And sometimes people don't want to break up, whatever financial reason, the kids or the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment. But if you do nothing and the cycles continue, somebody's going to wind up dead, somebody's going to jail. It's going to happen. I'm in that boat because I know you mentioned it to me, trying to do couples counseling. She, I want to, you know, but she doesn't at all. She doesn't even want to put forth the effort, fix anything. So that, that's the issue also, too. And now I just, it, like you said before, um, not in this call, but different sessions that, like, I just need to let go. And that's what I'm doing. So you know, and I make couples counseling to you before you mention any type of abuse. Yeah. I, I suggest I I would suggest to you, sir, all at all at all costs and all all efforts. I would tell you to get the hell out of that relationship, like as of today, and pack yes. your shit and get the fuck out of her house right now. I'm sorry for swearing, but men should okay. not be hit. Men should not be abused. Um, I have brothers that went through abuse themselves by women, and I just like no, uh, uh-uh, that should that's gotta go. She needs to find her own self. She needs to find her own help. She needs to she needs to deal with her own crap that she has to deal with. You know what, Nancy? That is true. But I remember even as a kid, I had uncles that were abusive. And one of my uncles, I was a kid, I'm going ten years old when he was murdered. He was abusive towards his girlfriend. And I'll never forget one time she stuck him with an iron. And my mother then was oh, so when that when my uncle got stuck with that iron. But 
they had witnessed domestic violence as a kid and saw all of that stuff. And so what her family did was they wanted him dead, so they killed him. And I felt that they could have got her to leave him alone, too. He didn't have to die, but I also know he was abusive. Now, Mr. Roger, you never did call on the show, so I've got you now on my phone. What do you want to add to the show, Mr. Roger? Um, I just want to tell you that I love you, number one, and um, I have been through similar situations. I loved what Lisa had to say earlier in the show, and I... I in how much I'm, I'm giving to you right now. Well, I thank you for sharing and adding because we have to end the taboo, end the cycle, break all of this because when you know better, you do better. An individual has to understand what a healthy relationship is to gather to know that they don't want to be in an unhealthy relationship. It's not safe. It is so not safe. But we get used to it. Understood. And I have been through that cycle, but there is there is a band-aid. Uh-huh. Make the individual happy. You got to make yourself happy. And you gotta love yourself first before you can love somebody else. That's true. And a lot of times what we do is many individuals are trying to fix broken people. And just because they're broken doesn't mean that they're damaged or you know, but help is available. I, I mean, I enjoy working with perpetrators of domestic violence. I remember when I was a when I was younger, my mother when I went to go volunteer at the Women's Resource Center, which is um, for women and children in Oceanside, my mother told me I was going to start the She Woman Man Hater Club because I was one that if somebody was getting beat up or my friends was getting beat up by their boyfriends, I'd be the one beat up their boyfriends. You know, I was the one. <laughs> I was the one. I'm so proud of you. I cannot tell you how amazing you have been in my life. So I'll talk to you later when you call me back. Okay. Um, but uh, you are just fantastic. Well, thank you, cause and you know I messed around and got sick with COVID too, and I'm mad about that, but I'm 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 doing better. I am oh, doing better. Oh my God, I tested positive last. I got my results Thursday. Uh, I was hot. I've been isolating myself, staying at home, doing all of this stuff, and messing around, and start thought I had a cold. And my friend told me to go to get tested. I went and got tested and was positive. So, yeah, I just, the body aches was kicking my butt. So I'm just glad I don't look like it. And then I got tired of trying to comb my hair. So I had to do something with my hair today. I didn't like that part. But I I survived. I didn't get the pneumonia. I survived. So I'm I'm still amongst the living, so that's a good thing. So I want to let individuals know if you are having cold symptoms, flu symptoms, Please get tested. Don't walk around spreading COVID to people and you know you may be positive. That's not fair to other people. And a lot of times, individuals, just like with domestic violence, if you know you're going around hitting folks, don't be
be trying to ask nobody to be your girlfriend and your boyfriend and you know you hitting folks. So we gotta start doing better. But I had to put that out there like that. Do it, do it, do it, miss. Do it. Oh gosh. Okay, well like I said, Mr. Roger, thank you for joining. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, um I'll talk to you in a little bit. Okay. All right, you take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, Nancy, we talk about health. I'm going to ask you, because a lot of times individuals, we talk about the court system. Individuals don't realize that they can lose their job if they get arrested for domestic violence because it could be a criminal offense, and in some cases it can a petition can be filed also in family court regarding allegations of domestic violence, and there can also be a restraining order put against the individual that is the perpetrator of the domestic violence. Now, one of the things for the restraining order is a lot of times individuals don't take it seriously or they violate the restraining order not realizing that that is and can lead to criminal acts. And the restraining order is supposed to be for your protection. So if you have a restraining order, you want to make sure that you notify your employer so the employer will know that this person is being restrained against you because if not, it could put innocent people's lives in danger. Because if a person is dealing with something and they have poor impulse control, they will and they can hurt you, your family, your kids, and everybody else that's involved. So we want to make sure that people are being protected and they're safe. Nancy, what has been your experience as it relates to restraining orders? Oh, my Lord. Um, I had a re- uh, restraining order was placed on me, and um, even though the restraining order was placed on me, the victim um, would continuously call me. I was at uh, one of one of um, Jeanette who was calling me, and Jeanette, I said, "Here, can you please answer this? This person's not getting it." And she said, you need to leave her alone. You have a restraining order against her. I, I, I have it on file here. Otherwise, I'm going to call the cops and they're going to take care of this. Um, another instance is um, I had broke up with my children's dad and there was a restraining order against him. And he would come over to my house and um, break the restraining order. It didn't. A restraining order is just a piece of paper that's within the courts that's filed. It's not going to protect you. Um, the, it takes the police probably 20 minutes to get to the scene, and by the tw- by time the 20 minutes is up, you could have already been dead already. You know, Nancy, this is a topic, and as you were talking, I was thinking of the movies like The Burning Bed and you know, the battered woman syndrome, and some individuals have went to jail protecting themselves. It's a lot. It is a lot. But today, and like I said, we're just bringing a sense of awareness and just to let individuals know that help is available. There are individuals that can you can talk to. And, it's, you know, forgive yourself. Increase your self-esteem. Remember that you matter too, and no one should be hit. A hug. And sometimes you have to teach people how to treat you. So if you are dating someone and they're calling you names, putting you down, making you feel worthless, then you know that's not you. And if you need to contact me if you have any questions 
regarding domestic violence, you can give me a call. My office number is 714-992-1677, or you can Google my name, Jeanette Abney, lmft.com. You'll find my webpage, and I'm very easy to find. So if you have any other topics that you want me to talk about, give me a call. Let me know. Now, tomorrow I am going to be talking about being moved by your circumstance. Because many individuals are in so many different predicaments right now that it's affecting them emotionally, it's affecting them spiritually, and they're moving either in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. I want to know how are you being moved by your circumstance. Now, next Monday is going to really be interesting because I was watching TV and I heard about the critical race theory. And I was like, what is that? I had never heard of it myself. So I want to know, and I want to know from you individuals, why are they banning it in other states? I want to know what is your thought when we start talking about the critical race theory because I believe that we should all be respectful of other people's culture. And it's not about blaming individuals, making them feel bad, making them feel ashamed, but these things start in the home. And if we don't educate ourselves or we don't teach our children, and some people are teaching their children hate and how to mistreat people, and we need to do better. So I will, I will be talking to some educators, some individuals that are in the field of teaching, and because I was listening to a story of a teacher, a principal, that got in trouble behind this. So let's, we need to know what is this about, because I am one that I felt, while being educated, was denied a whole lot of information. So we need to give people, and that's where college teaches critical thinking. But let's talk about this critical race theory. What's this really about? Why do they not want us to know? What is it about history that they're trying to change or have been changing? Let's just figure it out for ourselves. So, again, thank you for joining mm-hmm. me here at Participants Blog Talk Radio. Nancy, thank you for joining. I appreciate you, too. You're Gilbert, for joining, and the other person that called in and didn't want to say anything, Thank you for listening. Share this information with other people, too. I appreciate it. Each one, teach one. Talk to you tomorrow. All right. Thank you. Bye. Please be mindful. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.